0: This is Clutch Fans. Oh! from the parking lot? The Rockets are going to Boston. How sweet it is!
1: And by the way, shout out to the Clutch Fans.
0: You're listening to the Clutch Fans podcast. An open conversation for Houston Rockets diehards.
1: Houston Rockets is unbeatable. Ready to get in touch Now, here's your host, the man who would have drafted Harold Miner over Robert Ory, Dave Hardesty. Well, lots to talk about here. The the Rockets have uh, gone through five preseason games, or four and one. Uh, Their only loss was the uh, preseason opener, where uh, basically in garbage time they lost the game. But uh, they have looked outstanding, and there have been some position battles uh, in the preseason, one that we expected, the other maybe didn't quite expect so early. Um, but uh, a, a lot to talk about, and uh, Lance Thompson, uh, thanks for joining me. There's uh, all kinds of things here right now. First and foremost is um, what we saw uh, here at home against Dallas, where we got to get our first look at Omar Asik here in the preseason, but we saw Dwight Howard and Omar Asik starting together and on the floor together.
0: Yeah, and it, was, it seemed like it was as expected. It's been a while since Omer's been able to be on a court and play some basketball um, and, and certainly playing alongside Dwight Howard must be a little bit awkward. Clogging up the lane a little bit, and, and it, the Rockets have had all kinds of struggles getting the ball in the post anyway, and that just makes the, the lane even more clogged. But some big positives to take away. Um, 26 rebounds between the two of the guys, and I think 10 of them were offensive. Good test coming up with San Antonio and Memphis, but it was a, it was a good feeler game to k- kind of get that lineup, get their feet wet a little bit.
1: Yeah, you know, and Mikhail in postgame talked about that and, uh, he lumped Parsons in there as well as the entire front court saying he was really happy to see those three guys combine for 34 rebounds. As you pointed out, uh, Howard and Ashik got 10 offensive boards together. Uh, personally, I, I was not sold. Now granted, this is the first time, Ashik's first game of the preseason, they haven't had any time to work together. Um, so, This is not uh, a done deal, but I just thought the early results, I I didn't even think they were mixed. I just thought they were fairly poor. I thought uh, there were a few plays where I thought, man, this is really not going to work in long stretches. No. Um, There was a play, as a matter of fact, at one point in the first quarter where uh, Dwight Howard just bit hard on the driver and left Dirk Nowitzki wide open, top of the key from from three-point range. He missed the shot, but literally there was – I mean, he was on an island. There was nobody near him. All and right. that's that's kind of where I struggle with this. I think it's going to be really effective at times uh, in, in spot situations. There's going to be some contending teams. I think we're going to see two great tests coming up here in, in San Antonio and Memphis. But um, uh, in today's NBA where threes are fours and fours can be threes – um, these guys stretch the floor. They, they can pull up from three-point range. And I just think uh, defensively is where the Rockets are going to have a hard time because those are two great defensive anchors. But when you're talking about one of them going out and covering a guy who spreads the floor, that's a tough thing to do.
0: No, and I think Memphis is is a perfect example. You know, you're talking about a team that is kind of on the tip of everybody's tongue when they're talking about, hey, maybe you can play the Oshik Dwight lineup against – Memphis is always the one that comes up to me, but even that is tough to guard because uh, of both Gasol and Zach Randolph's ability to hit some outside shots, um, versus us on offense. They don't really have to stretch out against Dwight or against Oshik. Um, one thing that leaves me a little bit optimistic about it, um, is my pessimism towards all the other lineups. Um, you know, nobody has really sh- stepped up and really taken the lead at that at that four position you know uh McHale has started now four guys in five preseason games at the four and I think he only hasn't started a fifth because we don't have a fifth guy to start in that position Caspi has has played fairly well I think he's surprised everyone with how well he's shot and he, he, he to me he looks more polished than a lot of the other guys Demo has uh, I think he has played his way out of some playing time I think people were expecting him to have a little bit bigger offseason where he'd take a little bit bigger step forward. And he has shown flashes of being uh, the player that people want him to be. But he's also shown flashes of the guy who people kind of say, well, why isn't Jones up? And why is why is Demo not in the D-League right now, which was kind of what he showed last year a lot of times.
1: Yeah, you know, I um I think the preseason everything has been overwhelmingly positive. So we're definitely starting out with I think the, the nitpicks and yeah, uh, yeah. you know, uh, I mean I and then that's by design. I mean, that's what we wanted right. to talk about. But I do think there is one big takeaway if you're going to talk about something negative, uh and that's that we have learned already that the Rockets do not have a power forward that they're no. happy with. I mean, they no. just they it's a, it's a hole right now and they've got a lot of all these these different options guys that they're trying. They're all um spot situation players Uh, right now Jones and Motunas are not ready um Jones is the guy I thought for sure would take that position um he's got good uh one-on-one defensive skills he's got great athleticism you look at his offensive game and you feel like there's some real potential there he's just got a real problem um about NBA defense in the sense that uh Pick and roll, rotations, um, it, it just hasn't come to him yet, and so he's got a lot to learn still. I think that has shown. Motunis just is not ready. The last night, I think he, there was a play where he just, he got the ball top of the key, quickly fired it, um uh, to where he thought somebody was gonna be and threw it into the stands. Um, he's not ready. Caspi, uh, is a good option, but again, it's, it's just like the Oshik situation where, yeah, you know, the Rockets can go small similar to what they did with Delfino last year. I don't think I don't see tremendous success in that in long stretches.
0: No, and it's kind of funny that, you know, you Ben and I in the last podcast talked about how we thought that Greg Smith was not going to see a lot of playing time this year. So far in the preseason he still hasn't. You know, he didn't play at all in the first 3 games. Saw limited minutes, excuse me, saw limited minutes against the Magic, I believe, and limited minutes against the Mavs. But Greg Smith is an option that at least you know what you're going to get out of Greg Smith. All these other guys with Jones and Mochi Yunus, you really have no idea what you can get from night to night or play to play. And you're right. So many guys are situational guys. You know, you can play Oshik in spurts. You can play Caspi against certain lineups where there's not a big four that he has to defend. You can play Parsons in certain lineups where you want to go small and there's not a big four to defend. But there's not a guy out there, I don't think, that's sort of a one-size-fits-all. And that's scary when you think about teams that may be deep at the power forward position that can sort of dictate with their lineups how we play our lineups. Um, I'm interested to see now what Oshik will do in the next two games, how that will progress. If, If the season started right now, who would you be starting at power forward? or Who would you peg in that lineup?
1: I I'm sticking with my consistent call of Terrence Jones, but I I would say so far that hasn't been the right call. I you know I I think it's just too early to say because you know right now he's going to give Oshik another shot. Um, like I said, I wasn't sold on the first go around. I just again I, I look at some of these teams: Golden State with Iguodala, Harrison Barnes, Clippers with Matt Barnes, Jared Dudley uh even the spurs even though they they, they run splitter and duncan and, and you want to take you, you want to be able to to run your best defense against the most effective bigs but you know they got guys like Kawhi leonard danny green that they can come up with some versatile matchups um to, to take some of that away as well so that i, I just I'm, I'm not sure and the same thing with Caspi. so so i i, I would say if i was going to pick right now i'd say Caspi, but i'm sticking with my terrence jones call
0: yeah, I think Caspi just by default, if he's shot really well, and maybe you can give it give up a little bit on the defensive end, if he just goes out of his mind, is able to stretch the floor for De- Dwight, particularly when again we have not done a good job of getting any uh, passes inside. Um, I think one thing that hurts Terrence Jones and Demo and Greg Smith is that over the next two games, you know, you'll look for McHale to experiment more with that lineup just because Oshik didn't play the first four games. So now you're going to see Oshik with maybe extended minutes at the power forward position just to get the experiment out of the way before the games count and that may limit some minutes from Jones and, and certainly should min- limit some minutes from Demo because uh, to me, he's he's just played his way out of the lineup. I'm I'm a little bit disappointed with, with how he's played to date. I, I'm sure he can get it back together, but it's going to be tough now in a team with a deep power forward rotation when do you get someone like that minutes how do you get someone like that going if he's completely out of the rotation
1: yeah and and i would say i would much rather be in this spot the position that the rockets are in right now where you've got four uh either great or very good players at these other positions and you've got a a hole you know like it's much easier to fill a hole than it is to try to upgrade multiple different positions um, so they're in a great spot and I, and Daryl Morey's going to come up to bat here pretty soon. I mean, he, you know, yeah. he, once they signed, uh, Dwight Howard, he could go on vacation for a while and, and just kick back and relax. But now, you know, he's going to start getting to work because they've got to make the cuts that that's coming up. But I, more than anything, you know, we we've talked about the Oshik trade. That's eventually going to happen. It, it has to happen, but they have to be patient on it. They can't just move him. He's too valuable. So I think you're going to see Daryl um, trying to make a move that is uh, maybe upgrading the power forward spot. Nothing of you know a caliber of a, a Love or Aldridge, of course, but upgrading that spot somehow without losing Oshik until that right trade comes around, um, because. I I just don't see right now you're a guy you can just run there at 30, 35 minutes a night.
0: No, no. Uh, Yeah, and and it may be a case that, you know, like last year, uh, Marcus Morris was thrown out there for a long time. And when we ended up trading him, it almost seemed like we were showcasing him. Like, hey, you know, if you just give us a second round pick, you can have him for a second round pick. Look how well he's shot in these situations. So maybe uh, if Asha can get 25 minutes a game or 30 minutes a game it'll be easier then to move him when we're able to to leverage that situation a little bit more too but it would be even better if he just played well with Dwight uh, but that's that's remaining to be seen
1: and it is kind of funny, you know, they, they had to dump all these different power forwards this summer, you know, to make things happen. Obviously Thomas Robinson, Royce White, uh, even Furcon Aldemir to, to move Royce White. Now granted, none of those yeah. <laughs> guys uh, were the right fit, but here they are again. They've, they've gone through so many different power forwards and don't have uh, quite the answer there yet, but, but so I think something's going to happen. And, and, and overall, I mean, it, this has been an extremely positive, uh, preseason. I mean, I, I was, really blown away last night when uh, Dallas coach Rick Carlisle said in postgame that this was the best team they'd faced in preseason by far
0: and, and I think uh, they've, they've played Memphis yes. they played they played Indiana yes I both. believe they I mean they've played some good teams and Indiana improved drastically and I was you know we were talking before this that it was impressive that the Rockets beat Indiana twice because their team is arguably one of the best improved teams in the NBA, adding Scola and getting Granger back. Um, that was a, a, a cool thing to be able to see us, especially with their established starters still being on that team in and in a good, you know, good chemistry and close knit group where the Rockets were able to beat them twice in a row. It, it's not an easy deal.
1: Yeah. And, and the Rockets should have blown the Mavericks out last night. I mean, they had 20 yeah. Rock, Rockets had 23 turnovers, missed nine free throws. Um, they have been, Really clicking and especially from long range. I mean, you you can't get much more of a bright spot than, you know, Harden, Parsons, Beverly, Lynn, Garcia, Caspi, the six guys you expect to be shooting a lot of uh, three pointers, uh, shooting 52% from three point range in the preseason so far. And Harden, he's playing out of his mind in the preseason. I mean, he's shooting, I believe, 53% from, from three point range, uh, 53, roughly 53% from the field. You know, he's scoring 21 points basically per night in about 25 minutes per game. I mean, he's just in midseason season form, uh, and he looks like he's ready to have a breakout year. Dwight has had, you know, he had a couple of kind of questionable games, but I think he's shown that he's there. I think here against Dallas, he had 17 rebounds. I mean, I, everything has been extremely positive so far from what we've seen in the
0: offense. Yeah, I think we're absolutely nitpicking talking about, you know, who's going to see what kind of time at power forward. That 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 situation's going to work itself out and certainly if it doesn't, um Daryl Morey will be able to to move some people around and make it happen. Um, you know, Dwight Howard's a funny case because it's you almost struggle saying, "Man, he had a bad game." Cuz all of last year there was so much pressure on him and he averaged great numbers. But the fact that he averaged a little bit less than the year before, People say, oh, man, he didn't have a good year, and he just didn't live up to expectations. But the expectation of being the, the top center in the NBA, if he has a mediocre night for him, it's still been pretty good. Uh, you know, I, I, I think um, he'll get used to running the floor a little bit more. He'll get used to the spacing. Our, our guards will get used to the spacing, be able to give him the ball. Against the Magic, it looked like three or four times they just threw the ball away, and, and he struggled a little bit being fronted. but. As long as he gives us elite defense, as long as he rebounds well, I, I don't see a problem. I think it'll it'll all work itself out offensively.
1: They've had some some minor issues, you know we talked about um, the post entry passes. They they're having a really hard time getting it to Dwight. I did see some issues with Dwight trying to seal off his guy uh, mm-hmm. a couple of times. It's not always on the post entry pass, but. I know one game Caspi really struggled. I think four or five different times he could not get Dwight Howard the ball uh, on what you would think would be a a relatively simple post entry pass.
0: And I think that was that was the magic game. And I believe where Parsons and Lynn were both out, which I think complicated things for for Caspi even more because I think he started that game and I think. There was all sorts of trouble, and they fronted him all game. So it was. I think there's a lot of chemistry issues that just need to be worked out too, where if they're going to front him and there's nobody else down there, either set up some sort of pick and roll where you go around your guy and you just get out of that situation or throw a lob. But you're right, he struggled in certain situations getting in front of his guy and establishing position.
1: And you know, I want to point out as well, I think uh, Francisco Garcia has really impressed me um, from what I've seen so far, I, I think he's 13 of 23 from three point range in the preseason and really just picked up where he left off last year. He shot over yeah. 41% with the Rockets, uh, from three point range, uh, you know, since coming over in that trade. And, you know, I watched him in pregame. I mean, he's just automatic in warmups, obviously, uh, from, from distance and he, he has really translated that to the game. I think he is probably just loving this role. Where yeah. he's going to be, a, you know, off of Dwight Howard or Oshie just, just knock down the three. And I think, uh, you know, maybe he didn't quite have that in Sacramento and, and, uh, is, has really been effective here so far. You mentioned, uh, Lynn being out of that game. And I think he has had a very good preseason. Didn't shoot the ball in, in this la- last game very well, but really that doesn't, uh, is basically irrelevant. He had eight assists and, and played extremely well in the game despite the, the shooting woes. But uh that that's another big issue. I mean we we've talked about it um based off of Carl Fudge's article early on that we expected that, you know, whether they struggled or whatever, that we could see Beverly slip into that starting position. We we kind of knew that, but this soon, I mean that was that was a shock. Um so I think that that's been a big issue this
0: preseason as well. Yeah, then the news of, of Mikhail alternating Lynn and Beverly, then Lynn then Beverly, then Lynn. Um I, I thought that was I, I again, I, I think you're right. I thought that might come at a later date where Beverly gets some spot starts, but I didn't know that it was going to happen that early. Um, and I thought Beverly played extremely well. His his plus minus numbers were off the charts, despite having one game where it was uh, he was minus eight. he's he he played out of his mind, and Lynn still played very very well. You know it's. I think a lot of people would, would have, you know, a month before the season kind of scoffed at the idea of Beverly starting over Lynn, but the more and more, you know, I think about it and, and we talk about it, the more and more we talk about it, Beverly seems like he's a great fit for the starting lineup, and in my opinion, even more so for me, I think Lynn's a better fit off the bench, being able to get the ball in his hands. Um, again, this is this falls under nitpicking to me. Is is we're we're arguing or we're we we're, we're discussing which two of our point guards who have played really really well should get the start?
1: Yeah, uh, again, that's another big takeaway. We have talked about this gaping hole that they have at power forward yeah. <laughs> despite all the roster guys, but I mean their backcourt—Harden, Lynn, Beverly—playing just extremely well so you've got a great depth there you're going to be able to play all of those guys 30 minutes um you've got Ashik and howard two of the very best defensive centers in the league covering that center spot and you've got uh you know whether you're going to go garcia Caspi backing up parsons um you've you're looking very deep at all those positions you've just got that one hole at power forward but what i've seen so far I just think it's it really doesn't matter. I mean, whether Lynn starts, Beverly starts, they're both playing so well. I do think if you're going to nitpick and look at it, I think Beverly has probably outplayed him a little bit. It's mm-hmm. so close. Like I said, they're both playing so well. Mm-hmm. Um, Beverly's raw plus minus uh, in this preseason has been just through the roof. <clears throat> He's plus 58 in about 123 minutes. I think Lynn's plus 15 in, in 110 minutes, uh, spread out over four games. Uh, Beverly's over five. But, uh, he just has an immediate impact. I mean, I, Jose Calderon in this last game, uh, was lighting it up early on against Lin. I think he hit his first five shots, scored 11 points. Beverly came in. Uh, I thought he changed the game, score, came in and scored a couple baskets really quickly. Um, he just, he has that ability. Whether he comes off the bench or starts, I, I, I think it's irrelevant. But I think if you were to say who, you know, it was a flat out open competition, I would probably say Beverly's leading right now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Especially if you if you're talking about no expectations coming in from last year, uh, I think he's he's outplayed them. But again, I, I think this is uh we're we're nitpicking. This is it's exciting that we're even having this conversation, and and that the conversation isn't driven by Lynn not playing well, because I think that's sort of was sort of the fear in talking about Beverly starting was, gosh, I really don't want to have this conversation because Lynn's been ineffective and because Beverly's been playing like he did last year, we would like, you know, this this conversation is completely different. This is Beverly's playing really, really well, and so is Lynn, but Beverly's playing a little bit better.
1: Yeah, we've talked about the cuts as well. That's going to be coming up here less than a week more. He's got to make that decision. And right now it's not looking that tough if uh, Marcus Camby is to come out and retire or there's going to be some decision with him because he has had this injury, hasn't been able to do anything. Um, here in the preseason, and you know he's got to make a decision here soon. So right now, it seems like Camby uh, is a guy that you know kind of controls whether this is going to be an easy or tough decision. Because I do think Reggie Williams may be that that second
0: guy. And I I kind of hope, you know, I, you don't you don't ever wish an injury on a guy, obviously, but I kind of hope that that Camby foresees that you know this is going to be a two or three month deal, and that. Daryl Morey can sort of put that in his back pocket and say, look, we're going to waive you right now. But if we're able to trade Oshik and send, you know, just package another player with Oshik to another team in return for a power forward, then we re-sign him. And now we have that backup center ready to go, you know, to to play the the 13 or 14 minutes when Dwight's out of the game. Uh, That would be sort of an ideal situation and certainly – like you said earlier, it, it would fix the roster problems as of right now.
1: Right now we know <clears throat> Dwight Howard, uh, Chandler Parsons, James Harden, Jeremy Lynn, Patrick Beverly, Omer Asik, Francisco Garcia, Omri Caspi. That's eight already that we know are in the rotation. It would take something drastic to to shift that. McHale has said he wants to go nine to ten. That's very rare. You know, I think he you know, when you have Garcia and Caspi playing so well, Reggie Williams just seems to be the odd guy out. You're yeah, probably going to end up keeping Ronnie Brewer for defense, and yeah. you know if if Camby makes that second cut an easy decision, then you go with that. If not, then you know I go back to my original theory of of trading Greg Smith. I mean, we haven't seen him play, and they just if you're yeah. going to play Oshik at, at the four for any minutes, it just now Greg Smith has no minutes to play. So and he seems would seem to be at least a second round pick possibility in a in a trade. So. That's where I think that they're going to head in there, but the rotation is is probably the most fascinating um, question now because it, we it seems like we've already got eight. We don't have a a, a true power forward in there. We've got a, a small ball lineup and a in a big ball lineup if you want to call it that, and uh, and yeah. we don't have a, a any kind of traditional power forward.
0: I would love to have Luis Skull on this team. He would I think he would fit really well and be able to stretch the floor a little bit in a short corner shot that he can knock down, but you're right. As as of now, the rotation that eight was the the eight that played Monday against Mavericks for a while, and they really didn't crack nine until the fourth quarter. I don't think. I don't think anybody else came in. Um, Jones being hurt maybe a little bit, or being a little injured and dinged up and not playing, he may have impacted that a little bit. He may get a he may be the ninth guy that cracks in there. I think there were some interesting things in the NBA GM survey. Uh, James Harden overwhelmingly was the best shooting guard in the league. Dwight Howard, the best center in the league. Yeah, I think you noted that Houston had a like a 3.3% chance or 3.3% of the votes to win the NBA finals. But the Lakers last year were at 60% or so.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that means one general manager that wasn't Daryl Morey picked the Rockets, you know, to win right. the West. <laughs> so, Yeah. Uh, that uh, it was a, a little surprising to me i thought of you know there might be a few more that would pick them san antonio uh was the favorite there oklahoma city right behind them so i guess it's not too much of a shock and i didn't expect houston to be the front runner i did think that we that they'd see a few more votes encouraging though to see that many giving the nod uh you know to harden as being the best shooting guard yeah uh, because i mean i I think it's the right answer, absolutely. But, um, you know, you would have thought some of them would stuck with Kobe, Kobe. or, yeah. yeah, you know, or even Dwayne Wade. I was surprised yeah. Dwayne Wade didn't go get a, a few more votes. But, um, yeah, I, it, you know, Dwight Howard is no shock whatsoever, in my opinion. But the, the, the Harden thing was, it was just encouraging to see.
0: Yeah, it seems like after the Heat's first year together where they didn't complete the NBA Finals, I think people are more reluctant to, um, to give the nod to teams like this, um, where they're especially after the Lakers last year, people are more reluctant to say, "Oh yeah, they're going to get it done in their first year," just because they threw together this great roster. Um, even after all the praise that you know Carlisle and other coaches have said, "Man, that that team looks really good out there," you're still going to see the talking heads saying the ceiling of the team is. A lot of people are saying second round, um, and so it didn't surprise me at all that, that they were not pick to win the West or not pick to win the NBA Finals. Um, you know, it's it's going to take a big effort to gel, and it's going to be a long season, but um, like we've talked about all along, we've seen a lot of encouraging things.
1: Yeah, and, you know, one other thing about that survey, uh, Rockets were overwhelmingly favorites for which team made the best overall moves this yeah. offseason. Um, the only thing I'd point out there is, you know, if the Rockets don't disappoint this year, if they – you know, come close to as expected 55 wins, which is where I put them. Uh, I mean, Daryl Morris should win executive of the year. He should he should have been won it last year, or should have been uh, you know higher up there in my opinion for it last year. But this year, I, I think he's got it because they have historically not just taken the transactions made in one year, but they've taken the past few years how how that executive built the team. And I think uh, that when they look at Daryl Morey's body of work, he should absolutely win this. And I think that's that shows here, and over half the, the general managers of the league thought Houston made the best moves this offseason.
0: I guess we have to talk about what Jalen Rose said, which is he believes that in 2016 – you know, which is a few years away yet, um, that Kevin Durant will join the Houston Rockets to team up with Dwight Howard and with James Harden. He also thinks uh, that Westbrook will go to the Lakers and join up with Kevin Love in L.A. Uh, <laughs> what do you make of this, Dave?
1: The funny thing is, if it if it wasn't Jalen Rose, uh, I mean, I wouldn't have even given it the slightest bit of attention. Uh, Jalen Rose talks to a lot of players, seems to know a lot of the dirt that that uh, players specifically do not want out in the public or they you know would not be willing to tell media and uh, he's he knows all those back channels so to me my the question that I, that I have after listening to him say that is did Kevin Durant say hey maybe someday I'll go to Houston or does, does he have some sort of legit information that, that makes him think uh, Durant is interested in Houston but you know David Wiener is writing about this here today it's uh, just extremely unlikely scenario and three years in the NBA is an absolute eternity. And do you really want to, you know, upset Chandler Parsons right now for something like that? I mean, obviously, Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant. You go you would go for him no matter nice. what. But, you know, that's and ironically, uh, Dan Fagan was uh, his agent, both uh, the agent for Chandler Parsons and Dwight Howard was uh, in the locker room Monday night hanging out with uh, with Chandler. And they were clearly going somewhere after the game. But, yeah, I, you know, I just see that as an extremely unlikely
0: scenario. Yeah, even if it worked out cap numbers and and was feasible in some way, I, you're right. Three years is a long. The Astros are going to be good in three years, for God's sakes. <laughs> I mean, three a lot <laughs> could change in three years. And and Jalen's notion, I, I believe, is is kind of his notion of stars are liking to team up, and that's going to be a, a, an, an ongoing trend in the NBA. You know, after the what the Heat have done, I think that's absolutely true. But that being said, why wouldn't a star then go to Oklahoma City and play with Westbrook and Durant? Why does it have to be that in 3 years that they'll both depart from there? I I don't see it happening. That being said, it's we it's something we almost had to talk about because the prospect of Durant, Howard and Harden together would be unbelievable.
1: Yeah, and I and I still lean probably towards Jalen kind of just throwing that out there, see what sticks because he did. You know, it was an interesting proposal at first. Obviously, he and Harden are close, and Durant played here at Texas, and he I think he sort of threw those those connections together, the 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 UT connection, and then followed that up with thinking that Russell Westbrook and Kevin Love, uh, both that went to UCLA, will team up with the Lakers. So. To right. me, I think he, he leaned heavily on that, and it, it
0: was pure speculation. It was like a scene out of a beautiful mind, where he's you know <laughs> drawing strings across the the room and everything. And now right. he's um I, I, I agree, it, it's fun to talk about. It, it'd be a cool scenario. Um, I would, frankly, I'd like to see Westbrook and Love together too on the same team. I think that would be an interesting combination, especially since they're you know basketball buddies back at UCLA. But um, It'll be it'll be interesting. I would love to have him. We'll, we'll welcome him with open arms if he comes. Yeah,
1: yeah, and like I said, three years. I mean, in three years, the team will have made changes, significant ones, I believe, between now and then. And you know, hopefully, Harden, Howard, uh, and this core, whoever it may be at that time, will have a title or two. Um, so, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, so much can change between now and then, but it certainly is fun to speculate. Thanks again, Lance, and uh, we'll be we'll sure. again here soon. Um, obviously. Couple more big games coming up and then, uh, regular season opener went next Wednesday, uh, against Charlotte. Uh, and the big season is here, but thanks again for joining me.
0: Thank you.